Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In the book of Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, the Bible tells us the story of Peter. Many of us have heard the story. Peter was ministering in the house of Cornelius. The Bible tells us in verse 1 to 4 that Cornelius, when he was praying in his regular time, encountered the Almighty God. The Bible tells us that he saw a vision and in the night hour of the day and the Lord Almighty came to him and was talking to Cornelius. During that particular encounter, the Bible tells us that Cornelius received a clear instruction. God told him, Go and send a group of people to Joppa. Let them go and find a guy called Peter. Simon Peter. He is in Joppa right now. He's there. He received that clear instruction. And the Bible tells us that as soon as Cornelius got that revelation, he sent messengers to Joppa and they went looking for Peter. But while the Lord was dealing with Cornelius, the Lord was also dealing with Peter. The Bible says that God was ministering to Peter and was preparing Peter for the visitation that he was about to receive. The Lord was telling Peter through a series of revelation. The Lord gave him a series of vision. And there Peter was arguing with the Lord. The Lord said that there was a cage full of ceremonially unclean animals. And the Lord told Peter, he said, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, these things are not clean. I'm not going to eat. And the Lord now told Peter, he said, what God calls clean, who are you to say is not clean? What the Lord has accepted, who are you to say that it is not acceptable? So, after that particular encounter with the Lord God Almighty through that vision, the people who came from Cornelius knocked at the door of Peter. And Peter already been prepared by God. Peter followed them. The Bible tells us that when Peter now got to the house of Cornelius and he started ministering to them, by the time you get to Acts chapter 10 verse 34, Peter now said to the congregation that was in the house of Cornelius, he said, and Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In other words, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is acceptable by him. In other words, Peter was saying that the people, you know, saying to the people who gathered to listen to him in the house of Cornelius, Peter was saying, every one of us is equal in the sight of the Almighty God. There's no big boy, there's no small boy. Everybody is equal in the eyes of the Almighty God. There is no discrimination with the Almighty God. Number two, Peter was saying that to the people who gathered, he said, God has no favorites. The pastor is not the favorite of the Almighty God. You are not the favorite of the Almighty God. Peter is saying, he said, everyone, everyone is equal in the sight of the Almighty God. As long as you come, you are accepted. There is no favorite with the Almighty God. God does not have favorite. And this was what Peter was saying to that little church that gathered in the house of Cornelius. Number one, you are acceptable in the presence of the Almighty God. You are equal in the sight of the Lord. There is no favorite with the Almighty God. God does not discriminate. God does not say whether you are white or black or yellow or white, tall or black, tall or short. It doesn't matter. We are all the same in the presence of the Almighty God. 
And to back up what Peter was saying, the Bible makes us to understand that as Peter was ministering in that house, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And even the Gentiles received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was what happened in Acts chapter 10. Now, the question that I have this morning is that, since we are all equal in the sight of the Almighty God, since God does not have any favorite, why is it that some people experience more of God's presence while some others seem to watch God from afar? Why is it that some people have that encounter with God? They have that relationship with God. They enjoy fellowship with God and some people don't even know what that means. If we are all equal, if we are all acceptable in His presence, why is that? How come the power of God explodes in the life of some people, but some people have no idea what it means to encounter the Almighty God? If we are all equal, if we are all acceptable, if we are all acceptable in the presence of the Almighty God, why is it that some people tend to enjoy this particular power and the presence of God, and some people have no clue what it means? Why is it that some people, every time you hear them speak, they are testifying to what God has done in their life? How God has provided, how God has healed, how God has delivered, how God has revealed new things unto them. Why is it that some people have that testimony and some people don't? If we are all equal, if we are all accepted, why is it that some people enjoy that intimacy with the Almighty God and some people don't? I mean, if we are all equal in the sight of the Almighty God and God has no favorite, why do some individuals, why do some families, even some churches and some organizations, why do they experience open heaven? Why do they live under open heaven, enjoy the fellowship of the Spirit, and the other people are struggling to access the grace of God? Why? Why is it that some people have their prayers answered and some people seem not to get their prayers answered? Why is it so difficult for some people to encounter God? Let's go back to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, I want you to now read verse 34 and 35 again. With those questions in mind, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, that means everywhere you go, everywhere the name of the Lord God Almighty is mentioned, in every nation, whosoever fears God, and works righteousness is accepted. Which tells us that Peter is basically saying, our access to God, our acceptance in the presence of the Almighty God, our ability to experience God is a function of two things. Your relationship with God, how much you are closer to the Almighty God, how much you are able to enjoy His presence, enjoy His power, enjoy His fellowship, is a function of two things. Number one, with the fear and the reverence of the Almighty God. Do you respect Him? Do you fear Him? Do you live in awe in His presence? Can you imagine you are working in an establishment? Your supervisor comes and you just keep talking crap to that guy. Every day you see him, say, look at you, call yourself a supervisor. Look at your shoes. That you know, one is facing the east, the other is in the west. You know, your New York is bigger than the United States. What's wrong with you? You don't even know how to dress. You that is what you do every day to your supervisor. Tell me the day when it comes to promotion, you think he's going to call your name? Forget it. It's not going to happen. So Peter is saying that our access to God, our acceptance in His presence, 
our ability to enjoy fellowship and experience his power in our life is a function of number one, fear and reverence of the almighty God. Number two, our ability to experience God is a function of our walk of righteousness. Look at the verse of the scripture. Acts of the Apostles chapter 10 verse 34. He said, in every nation, whosoever fear him and walks righteousness is accepted. It didn't say whether you are black or white. It didn't say whether you attend church regularly or not. He didn't say whether you are doing one thing or not. He said, if you fear him and you walk righteousness, that means your walk is properly aligned with the almighty God. You are doing what God wants you to do. You are doing what he says for you to do. He said you are going to be accepted. Peter is saying, experiencing God is a function of respect and proper alignment. Experiencing God is a function of respect and proper alignment to his will. And that is to say, when you respect God and you are in agreement with the plan of God for your life, you are in agreement with the way that God orders the way he asks you to live, you are in agreement with the things that God wants you to do. He said you are guaranteed acceptance, you are guaranteed access, and you are guaranteed an encounter with your mighty God. Very simple. All you have to do is to respect and reverence the almighty God. Don't treat God as if he's just like one of those your pals that you can talk nonsense to. Don't act as if he's just one of those people, one of your pals. He said, respect the almighty God and make sure you do the things that you want you to do. Order your life according to his laws, according to his dictate. He said, then things will fall in place for you. That's what the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what else are you looking for? Everything he will give you. The question then is, why am I telling you all the stories? Why am I telling you about respect and proper positioning? Why are we discussing this particular issue? The reason I'm telling you about respect and proper alignment is that many of us, for some reason, do not understand that respect and proper positioning attracts the divine attention. When you are in a place of work, and you are respectful to your supervisor. You are respectful to your manager. You are doing what you are supposed to do. People are watching. People will be watching you. You attract the attention of other people because they say, this one is different. They look at you and they say, yes, this one is separate. This one is not like every other one that is out there. This one does not behave like every one of them out there. This one is unique. It attracts your attention. And when good things are about to come, the first thing they will do is they will remember the person who has been behaving accordingly. The same thing in the spirit. When you align yourself with the almighty God, what happens is that you begin to attract his attention. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you this because for some reason, most people do not understand that respect and proper alignment begets the attention of God. Number two, I'm telling you this because proper alignment and respect, some people fail to understand that it provokes divine response. I mean, when you are doing good, when you are in the place of war, or you are in the family, or within a particular community like our own right now, and you are doing what you are supposed to do, what happened? It provokes divine response. Can you imagine somebody who remembers your birthday every time? Always make sure that they bake the cake for you. Always make sure that they sing the birthday songs for you. Always make sure that they know what is going on in your life and they make sure that you are a center of attention when they want to give it to you. Can you imagine if that person comes to you and says, Hey, my brother, I need some help. 
You look at that person and say, no, you are not that kind of person. I will give you. Even if I don't have you, I will borrow and give it to you. Because you are a nice guy. Because you are always the kind of person who respects me. You are the kind of person who makes me a priority in your life. When you have respect for the Almighty God, when you align your own life according to His own will, you will find out that it provokes divine response. It provokes divine response. And number three, I'm telling you this because for some reason, most people do not understand that when you properly respect the Almighty God and you align your life to fit His purposes, it has a way of repositioning you. It opens the door for you to become placed in a good place. Respect and divine alignment effect divine repositioning. And that's why I'm telling you about this particular issue of respect and proper position. In Genesis 22, the Bible tells us a story about Abraham. It's a story about how God asked Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice unto him. The Bible tells us that when he got that instruction to sacrifice Isaac, the Bible tells us that Abraham, when he received that clear instruction, Abraham acted immediately. Abraham acted immediately. The Bible tells us in verse number 3 of Genesis 22, the Bible tells us Abraham rose up early in the morning. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took the two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place which God had told him. He responded immediately. And not only that, the Bible now told us that it took three days to be able to make that journey. But the Bible said that for three days, Abraham made that journey and he did not change his mind. Abraham had enough time to be able to think over this particular issue, to change his mind, but Abraham kept on going. Then by the time you get to verse number 7, Isaac now made the journey even more difficult. The Bible said that Isaac drew the attention of his father, drew the attention of his father to the fact that in a burnt sacrifice, there is always an essential ingredient. And in verse number 7, Isaac said, My father. And he answered, Here I am. Then he said, Look at the fire. Look at the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Not knowing that he himself was the barbecue. You know, he said, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? In other words, Isaac was telling Abraham, he was saying, my father, I have seen you do burnt offerings several times. I know that there is always a lamb for the burnt offering. That what is going on. You want to go and be the sacrifice? Where is the burnt offering? Is there something that you are not telling me? Where is the lamb for this particular offering? And in verse number 8, Abraham responded with one of the most insightful faith declarations that you can find in scripture. In verse number 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. In other words, you don't worry about it. God will do what he said he would do. And by the time you go to the book of Romans chapter 4, the Lord now explained why Abraham made that statement. The Bible says that Abraham believed that God was able to raise that boy even if he killed him. That was why he was willing to lay it upon the altar. And finally they got to the place of that particular sacrifice. The Bible tells us that Abraham now took Isaac and he was about to prepare him for offering. The Bible tells us that God now showed up. And God showed up, and you all know the story. The Lord now eventually provided a ram for the offering that Abraham has spoken for. But I want you to notice something. That is not the real story that I want you to focus on. The real story I want you to focus on is that because Abraham went through his action, Abraham's action demonstrated his love and reverence for the Almighty God. That's why he did it. He looked at God. 
I love you so much, I'm willing to release anything that you ask me to. I love you so much, I'm willing to give up anything that you have given to me. Number one, I mean, I'm a hundred years old before you gave me this guy. If you did not give me this guy, what would I have done? Nothing. Now that you want the guy back, I'm willing to give it to you. I love you so much and I reference you so much, I'm willing to give it unto you. Number two, Abraham through his action demonstrated that he was willing to align his own action with the will of God, regardless of what that will is. And why is that two things important? Why is it important? It is important because of what happened next in the story. What happened next is why these actions of Abraham, that is why that action of Abraham is very important. Because of Abraham's love and reverence for God. Because of Abraham's alignment and the willingness to release Isaac into the hands of the Almighty God. In chapter 22, verse number 15, the Bible now tells us, it said the angel of the Lord, after the ram has been sacrificed, he said the angel of the Lord called to Abraham the second time out of heaven. In other words, he had given him instruction the first time. Now God is now coming. After Abraham had done all they had done, after Abraham had willingly sacrificed his son Isaac in his own heart, after God has intervened, provided a ram, done everything, the Bible now said that the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. Now listen to what he said. Verse number 16. He said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, and God reminded Abraham, your only son. That's to tell you how important what you have done for me. Verse number 17. He said, in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply your descendants. As the stars of the heaven, and as the sandwich on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. In other words, because Abraham reverenced God, because Abraham was willing to give up his son for the Almighty God, because Abraham was willing to align his own action to the will of God, the Bible tells us that Abraham's action attracted the attention of the Almighty God. God said, because you did this, I see what you did. I don't know whether it ever happened to you. But you buy a gift for somebody and that person looks at that gift and they start crying. It's not because the gift is expensive. It's not because the gift is anything. But the thought that you thought of me, this is for me, and that person start crying. That tells you that you have touched that person so deeply, they appreciate what you have done. And that is exactly what God is saying to Abraham. He said, because you have done this, if you go to the book of uh, the book of Hebrew, the Bible says, because God could not swear by any other thing, he swore by himself that I will bless you because of the action of Abraham, it attracted the divine attention. God saw it. Because of what Abraham did, it provoked the response of the Almighty God. God said, ah! It provoked divine response because of what he did. My brothers and sisters, you cannot get the attention of the Almighty God if you are not willing to reverence His name. You cannot get the attention of the Almighty God if you are not willing to submit your will. Jesus Christ said, not my will but yours be done. And He went to the cross. The cross was painful. The cross was agonizing. But he went there. And the Bible now tells us in the book of Philippians. He said, and then he has been given a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, 
every knee will bow. Because why? He submitted to the will of the Almighty God. My brothers and sisters, Abraham's sacrifice provoke divine response. And then finally, because it provoked divine response, because God made up his mind he was going to bless Abraham, it repositioned Abraham. The Bible says, in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply your descendant. You think you have been blessed before? I'm going to send you to a different level. In other words, Abraham, because Abraham reverenced God, because by his willingness to give up his son, Abraham provoked a divine change of level. Because of what he did, his level changed. Abraham provoked a divine change of level for himself by reverencing God and aligning his own will to the will of God. And my brothers and sisters, if you ever hope to get out of the level where you are right now, if you ever hope to be in the level that others will begin to reference, if you want to get to the point where you become the talk of the town, you too must learn how to reverence God. You must learn how to align your will to the will of the Almighty God. The question is, when we talk about divine change of level for yourself, divine change of level for your family, what are we talking about? When we say provoking God to moving you to the next level, what are we talking about? We are talking about to deliberately stimulate the hands of God, to deliberately cause God to look at you and say, no, this one is different. Let me bless this guy. That's what it means. A deliberate stimulation of the hand of God to act on your behalf. That's what we mean by provoking God. I mean, there are times you look at somebody and say, okay, I want to help you. And as you are blessing that person, ah, well, even if I don't want to give this guy anything, even if I don't want to give him attention, let me do, because of what he has done, let me do something for him. That is what it means to provoke into action. You provoke a divine level changing situation for yourself by stimulating the hands of the Almighty God. So to provoke divine change of level is to challenge God into taking action on your behalf. Abraham challenged God. By the things he did, he challenged God and God said, No, you cannot beat me in this blessing business. You are giving me this, I will give you more. You give me 20, I give you 40. You give me 40, I give you 80. You give me 80, I give you 160. At one point, the Lord starts loading you. That's what it means to provoke his blessings. And finally, to provoke a divine change of level is to impress God so much that God lavishes his blessing upon you. And the Bible tells us, Hebrews chapter 6 that I referenced the other time, in verse number 13, he said, For God, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Saying, surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply. The question now becomes, why do you need to challenge God to act on your behalf? Why? Number one, you challenge God to act on your behalf because you remind him of what he said about you. The Bible says that I know the thought that I think towards you, they are the thought of good and not of evil to give you an expected end. There is a plan that God has for you. When you challenge him, what happens? The Lord opens the floodgate of heaven and remembers his word. So you provoke a divine change because you need to remind God of his word. Because God has to fulfill his word. The Bible says, I will hasten to fulfill my word and to perform it. You provoke a divine change because of the fact that you have to silence the opposition. There are people who are watching, say, you go to church on Sunday, you go on Monday, you are praying on Wednesday, you are praying on Friday, oh boy, now you kill Jesus, what's your problem? Take it easy now, <laughs> and we are not seeing any difference. And you now say, oh God, can you hear what these people are saying? Do something in my life so that they know that I'm serving you. You provoke God to act on your behalf. You challenge God to act on your behalf because you want to silence the voice of those people who are saying that you are not going to make it. 
That's why you do it. You provoke or you challenge God to act on your behalf because you want his name to be exalted. But what happens when you challenge God to act on your behalf? What happens? What happens is number one, there is what is called divine intervention. God steps into your situation and everything turns around. When you challenge God to act on your behalf, divine intervention happens. When you challenge God to act on your behalf, divine repositioning happens. Because God takes you from where you are and puts you where you need to be. That's divine repositioning. And not only that, he changed your level. And the question is, how do you provoke that change? How do you provoke that change so that God begins to act on your behalf? We provoke the divine change by the nature of our relationship. The Bible tells us in the book of Job chapter 1 verse 8. It says, Job had an unusual relationship with the almighty God. That God had to give him a divine recommendation. God said to Satan, have you seen my servant Job? That is a different kind of person. This guy, he will never deny me. Why? Because there was a deep relationship between Job and the Almighty God. And God was able to recommend Job to even the devil. So, where you provoke God Almighty to move on your behalf is to develop an unusual relationship with God. If you want God to step in your situation, if you want God to turn things around for you and speak and move you to where you need to be, you need to develop an unusual relationship. That's how you do it. Number two, how do you provoke a divine change of level? You provoke a divine change of level by the nature of your requests. Your requests reveals your priority. It reveals your focus. It reveals what is important to you, what you are asking God. If you have, for example, you are able to meet uh, the richest man in the world right now. The numbers keep changing, so I won't give you the name. But you have the opportunity to meet the richest man. What are you going to ask him? If you stand before God today, what are you going to ask him? Lord, give me chocolate. Is that what you're going to be asking? I mean, what is the nature of your request? Because the nature of your request determines how God will act on your behalf. If you're asking for what your power can handle, then you are not, going to, you are not provoking God. But if you're asking for what you yourself cannot handle, that means you believe that he has the ability. I mean, somebody called me and said, okay, I need you to advance me $10,000. I look at him and I laughed. Not laughed to insult him, but laughed as myself. And I was happy. I said, thank God you think that I'm rich enough to give you $10,000. As I have right there, if you give me $10,000, I will take it from you. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is that the nature of your request, what you present before the Almighty God tells us your focus, it tells us your priority. And if God is going to act on your behalf, it depends on what you are asking. Bible tells us that Solomon, when Solomon became the king, God told Solomon, I said, ask me whatever you want, and I will do it for you. And Solomon said, God, give me wisdom to be able to manage your people. And God said, wow, that is an unusual request. Because you did not ask for money. You didn't ask to kill your enemies. You didn't ask that I should lock up all those people who didn't like you, but you asked for wisdom to rule my people. He said, because you asked for that, because you asked for something that is very important, I will give you what you have not even asked for. I will give you money. I will give you riches. I will give you wisdom so that there will be nobody like you before and nobody like you after. What you ask determines how God will act on your behalf. And that's why when you are praying, don't keep praying, bless me God, bless me, bless me, bless me. It's good to bless. I'm not saying there's something wrong with that. I'm only saying ask for something big. Ask that the Lord will create his image in you. 
Ask that the Lord will make you into the person that he wants you to be. Ask him that he will fulfill his purpose in your life. When you begin to ask those kind of things, God knows that your heart is towards him and he can begin to deposit greater things into your life. You provoke the hand of God by the nature of your relationship, by the nature of your requests, and number three, by the nature of your response. How do you respond to the instruction that God has given unto you? How do you respond to the dictates of the Almighty God? How do you respond to the laws of God? Bible tells us in Genesis 22, Abraham responded to the demands of the Almighty God by releasing that which is precious unto him. Are you able to release what is precious unto you? The Lord is asking just for a fellowship. Are you able to release your time for fellowship? The Lord is asking you to be able to reach out to other people. Are you willing to release that particular time to call somebody else and to talk to them? The Lord is saying that for him to act on our behalf, your relationship is important. What you ask of him is important. How you respond is important. Because your response determines what? Your response tells us what is important to you. It tells us whether you consider God to be important or God is not important to your life. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.